Michael Hunter is a guy who's been calling out a lot of heavyweights over the past couple years. And not too many have seemed keen on fighting him. Not to say he's some big, devastating knockout puncher heavyweight. He's actually a cruiserweight who's moved up. But he does have some pedigree in terms of his amateur background. And when he was a cruiserweight, he did push Alexander Usek probably more than anyone other than maybe uh, Maris Bredis. And since stepping up to heavyweight, he's had wins over people like Martin Bacoli. Uh, who's the other big guy from Belarus that he fought? I forget his name now. Ustinov, excuse me. And he also beat Sergei Kuzmin, who was previously undefeated, a Russian heavyweight. So he's been looking for a big fight against somebody like Dylan White, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. In fact, Michael Hunter fought Tyson Fury in the amateurs. He claims that he was on the wrong end of a bad decision against Tyson Fury, interestingly enough. Well, Michael Hunter, the guy who's calling everybody out and says that the top heavyweights don't want to fight him, he's now been called out himself by a Cuban heavyweight called Frank Sanchez. Frank Sanchez is currently undefeated. He is, uh, according to the official, uh, you know, official stats, 27 years old. But as with so many Cuban fighters, I'm a little dubious about the stated age. I wouldn't be surprised if Frank Sanchez is closer to 37 than 27. But either way, he is undefeated. He recently beat Joey DeWaco, who's kind of a tough, experienced journeyman on the American heavyweight circuit. And he looks to have some ability. He's fairly quick. He doesn't look to be the most devastating knockout punch you've ever seen. But, you know, as with most heavyweights who are athletic, if he hits you on the chin, it's not going to tickle. So, and, and obviously he comes from the Cuban amateur system, which means he's going to have a decent amount of competency. So let's see if Michael Hunter, Eddie Hearn, answer this call out. At the moment, Frank Sanchez is saying he's heard nothing from Eddie Hearn and Hunter, but to be fair, boxing has slowed right down over the past few months for obvious reasons, so perhaps they're not in any rush to contact somebody who they can't necessarily make a fight with right now because of the situation. So let's see. But let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Have you watched Frank Sanchez fight? And how do you think he would do against Michael Hunter? I think it's an interesting one. Both guys are quite small. Uh, Sanchez, I don't think he has moved up from cruiserweight as a pro. Maybe I'm wrong, but he's quite a small heavyweight Sanchez. He doesn't weigh in the, at least not last I checked, he doesn't weigh in the 230s or 240s or anything like that. I think he's in the 220s. It might be around, I don't know, 6'3", 6'4", is, is listed height. So there's not too much difference between him and, I think he's a bit taller than Michael Hunter. Hunter's is listed at, I think, 6'2", 6'3". So Sanchez might be an inch or two taller, but in terms of body weight, there's not that much in it. I think in terms of speed and movement, there's not that much in it. Obviously, Michael Hunter has beaten better people so far as a professional. So yeah, and one thing I'd be interested to know is whether these guys fought as amateurs, given the fact that they're a similar size. Well, actually, Michael Hunter fought, I think, at super heavyweight. Uh, for at least some of his amateur career, or else he wouldn't have been able to get in the ring against Tyson Fury. So yeah, either way, I'd be interested to find out if Hunter and Sanchez have any amateur 
history with it have sparred, etc. Because it's just interesting to me that Sanchez has singled out Michael Hunter. That's interesting. Is it just a random person he's decided to call? Because he isn't, he's not singling out Dylan White or, you know, God knows whatever other heavyweights out there. Uh, he has spoken about being willing to fight other heavyweights, but it seems specifically Michael Hunter who he's targeting in this instance. Why is that? You know, maybe it is for no particular reason, but I'm just wondering if they've got any history there. So let me know what you guys think in the comment section below about a potential Michael Hunter, Frank Sanchez fight. How do you think it would go? Yeah, let me know people, it's happening, I'm out. She made, she knocked something out, out of nothing. You know, from Barbados, yeah, she knew that. Yeah. And your dad, Dixon, was a bit of a disciplinarian, but I bet he had to be with you, like, didn't he? i tell you what, it, 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 it wasn't really a disciplinarian. We have to go back now, because what happened back in 1972, my brother was killed. My brother was killed by racist. Um, and the push for a window cut his brain and led to death. And so that really affected everyone in the household. Mm. And so what it was, it, it left a scar on my dad. He's, he's, he's only suddenly brought back from, brought over from Barbados. As soon as he got here, he died. So there's a big hole in there. And, it, and he was really close to me, my brother Andy. Yeah, I mean, it was like, the only way I can describe it, when he passed away, it was like, you know, when he simmered off my father. That's when my life changed. And then you, you can hear the stories of how I am because of what happened to him. Yeah. So you that, were eight when Andy passed. Yeah, and you were, you were incredibly very, close with him. Yeah, I was very, very close. So it was just like, it, it, it sent something in my heart. And I was just angry. I just wanted to, I just went, well, you know. You know yeah. It was just, I, was just, I was a little boy. I, I was eight years old. I was, you know, where is he? Where is he coming back? And I remember I used to like, Myself to sleep, I'm gonna go and die, I'm gonna die. You know, it's time when I was just changed. Yeah. My life just changed, and it just, just kind of really started. And it carried me all the way through. The next time I hear a ring, I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it just, it just, it just kind of like, it just changed my whole life. Like, I mean, you would understand. Good. But you know, yeah, so that you know, my life changed and, and, and a lot of things that went on in my life you're gonna hear. It was all because of what I thought about that. Yeah. It changed me I struggled with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And no, this is gonna sound really good. Would you mind moving a couple of people? <laughs> Pretty scary. I think I think that might be why we get a bit of feedback on that. I'm happy over here, still working. It's still working. It's not my fault then. Still got feedback. It's not my fault then. 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 It's not my fault then.
know how good Quattara and Barkley anyway, just give it a little bit. I don't know where they have better is, but we'll go back. It's a nice one. After that tragic event, obviously you're growing up with your remaining brothers in Ilford. Yeah. Um, did you become, you said, I know it majorly affected you, obviously, what, and his passing. Um, but you, were you, you were a bit of a tough kid. A bit of a tough kid growing up, a bit of a tough kid in primary school. Did you? Yeah, I just grew up quick. From when that incident happened, oh, my well, life just changed totally. Started smoking cigarettes at the age of eight. Finished at four, you wouldn't have that in power. So all through my clothes was like, oh, yeah. Smoking, but yeah, it was fun. I started hanging out with guys much older than me. Well, like 10 I was hanging around, like I was about 17, 18. Do you think you were looking for a bit of a replacement for Andy? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Oh, I used to get better from pillar to post. The old guys and all that. And, and, and what I learned from outside in the street, I, you know, I remember at school, I think I was about 12. And I was a kind of like naughty kid. Just made everybody in the school bring me 50 pence to score my birthday. The whole school. Listen, you want to help me, mate? I'm sure you. And then someone grasped me up. Then the police come down. And I was thinking, oh, send me, mum, not me, dad, please. Because I'm going to strike a match on my dad's hands, you know what I mean? Because my dad had a saying in Barbados, if you can't hear you can see you. You know, and it, it, it was that, you know, so. Oh. Shoplifted in Marks and Spencer for a crushed velvet jacket back in 1976. I remember everything. <laughs> I was good at it. I always get caught. I, I just was good at it. And, and we was always fighting with the national front, always fighting, always winning. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so yeah, that, that's what my life was like. And that, at the age of 17, 17 and a half, I joined the army. Four, four years, 250 people staying in the army. So was that your, were you really set on going out because your older brother John was in the army? Yeah. Or was that your parents, I did they think you were getting a bit of a tear away in Ilford and it was like, is that no, right? because he just got so much respect from everybody. John did? Yeah, yeah, he just walked up in his uniform, it's like, so, uh, yeah, look, John, come in his uniform, looking immaculate. Anyone here? Maybe some of you other folks should join the army. Come on. It's not me. I'll go there. And I joined. Because I didn't join the army, I'll be banged up. Yeah. And I mean, you've got to understand, it's like, uh, it's funny because like an 18 year old guy, I get out of bed when I want, at home when I want, not in the army, mate. Oh my god. It was a Sergeant Brown who was on your case, I heard. Yeah. He'd uh, tip the bed up at me like 5 30 in the morning in basic training, get slapped about. He had a guy driver, he was about 6 foot 9. Used to get him, get him down on his knees, and right, put your chin up, and smack him right in the mouth. You get my lip, stretch it out, and slap it. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, mate, it was like, it wasn't because I was like, 
If you're ginger with freckles, you're gonna get it. <laughs> you're gonna get it, mate. If you're black, you're gonna get it. And if you're giant, you're still gonna get it. And that's what it was like, but it was like, and to me, I love that, that basic training because you know what? I wanna know which guy is gonna watch my back when I go to Northern Ireland. So you gotta you gotta you gotta build these kind of, I mean there were some guys that were you know just crowd I thought I don't I don't want him to mind which have certain places you go when we spent like eighteen months in Northern Ireland, Corporal having hate on to cut another guy who's gone on a fishing trip in Bally Kelly in nineteen eighteen ninety three. The IRA watching them went into like a hotel first seat. Took out the front of the dashboard, packed all the high explosives, got up in the morning, boom. And the only way that this is happening to my identifier husband was like his arm with resume, 600 meters away from his body. And, and, you don't really see many black paddies out there, so I'm really <laughs> sick out there. <laughs> but one free woman, Irish, are lovely people, but as soon as you put on a uniform, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. And I actually started boxing in the army. So that was it. Frank Warren is saying that Dylan White should look at his promoter and not the WBC as the reason why he hasn't had a world title shot yet. Now, if you read this article on BoxingScene.com, it is clearly just a pitch from Frank Warren to try and entice Dylan White to sign with him. That's clearly all it is. However, is there any truth to the claim that the problem is Eddie Hearn and not the WBC? Well, <laughs> it depends on how you look at it. If Frank Warren is trying to insinuate that Eddie Hearn is just an incompetent businessman and that's why he can't get Dylan White to shot, then I completely disagree. No. If he's trying to insinuate that he now has maybe closer ties to the WBC than Eddie Hearn has and he's in a stronger position with the WBC and therefore signing with him could make uh, Dylan White's path to that WBC title shot easier... Maybe he's right on that, but it all depends on what Frank Warren's intentions are. Frank Warren's stable right now is very shallow, so that's why he's looking for whoever the hell he can sign as quickly as possible. It's very shallow, and with the current economic situation at the moment, and it's only going to get worse and worse, unfortunately, people, over the coming years, that's going to make Frank Warren even more anxious about the future of his business. So he definitely would love to sign Dylan White and whoever else he can sign out there that's a high-profile fighter. But if he signed Dylan White, would it be his priority to put Dylan White in there against Tyson Fury? Or would it be his priority to make Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua first? Now, I spoke in recent videos about how Frank Warren might not actually want the undisputed fight right now for his own selfish reasons. Maybe he wants to bring Tyson Fury back to the UK, have some domestic fights, 
where Frank Warren can fully promote it. Because right now, Tyson Fury's been fighting in the States. Frank Warren has had minimal input, it would seem. And because he's had minimal input, I'm assuming he's getting minimal money out of the situation. He'll be getting some money, but not as much, I would imagine, as he would have made if Tyson Fury was fighting on British soil. So perhaps if Frank Warren was to sign Dylan White, he would forget about the undisputed fight for now and make Fury versus White in the UK. Maybe that's the angle Frank Warren is coming from. Or maybe not. Maybe he's just going to, you know, f- sell Dylan White a dream that he doesn't intend to deliver on anytime soon. Because again, he is insinuating that if Dylan White signs with him, he'll get that WBC title shot very quickly. And he pointed out the fact that after signing Tyson Fury, two fights later, he had him in the ring against Deontay Wilder. And he says, he's basically insinuating, I can do the same for Dylan White. But one thing that Frank Warren doesn't mention is that Dylan White has had the opportunity to fight for the world title under Eddie Hearn. He was offered the Anthony Joshua fight last year. You see? (laughs) So uh, interesting that Frank Warren doesn't mention that, but that did happen. Dylan White turned the fight down. He said the terms weren't to his liking. But as I've mentioned in another video, he didn't seem to be so nitpicky. He didn't seem to be so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just say picky about the terms for a Wilder fight as he was the AJ fight. Because remember, Dylan White was looking for the Wilder fight even before he became mandatory. So he was looking to be a voluntary for Deontay Wilder. And he was willing to take not great terms to secure that fight. So, yeah, that's one thing that Frank Warren has failed to mention. And of course, there were other fighters who Frank Warren had for a very long time who he couldn't get uh, a big fight. Billy Joe Saunders, for example, was with Frank Warren for how long? Chasing fights with Canelo and Golovkin. Those fights never materialized. Yeah? So it's easy for Frank Warren to come out and say, well, I got Tyson Fury a shot so quickly when he signed with me, but there are other people who he couldn't get big fights for. And if you look at Dylan White's career under Eddie Hearn, it's hardly been a sob story. Dylan White is without doubt the wealthiest, the richest heavyweight in the world who's never had a title shot. Name me some heavyweight, name me any heavyweight who's earned as much as Dylan White, but he's never had a title shot. You can't name me anybody like that. Okay, so Dylan White has done very well financially under Eddie Hearn. Thank you very much. Hence why, even though he's only on a fight-by-fight contract, he's decided to stick with him for this long because it's the, made the most, the most financial sense. And remember, Dylan White did shop around a year or so ago. He went to America. He heard out Bob Arum with ESPN and Al Heyman with PBC, what kind of financial packages they were offering. I don't think he ever went to BT, but in America, he was shopping around. So he's always been willing to entertain moving on to a different promoter in a different situation. But he's decided to come back to Eddie Hearn because it makes most sense at the moment. If there comes a time when it doesn't make sense to stay with Hearn, then I would advise Dylan White or any fighter in 
you know, that position to leave Hearn. Do what's best for your career at the time. Is that time now for Dylan White to leave Hearn with this WBC situation? Because we know Hearn's priority is to make the undisputed. It's not to get Dylan White his shot. But would Frank Warren's priority be any different? Possibly. Possibly. So, yeah, this is really not about what Frank Warren is trying to insinuate, Eddie Hearn being an, inc- being an incompetent promoter. Um, but it is about Eddie Hearn maybe not prioritizing Dylan White, but would Frank Warren prioritize him? That's the question. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's happening out. Tyson Fury says that he would be willing to drop the WBC World Heavyweight title if the WBC insist on him facing Dylan White. Very interesting. Now, Dylan White is in the process, according to reports, of suing the WBC. And I did say in some videos I made over the past few weeks that this was probably what Dylan White was going to have to do in order to get his shot because there was just too many uh, roadblocks all happening at the same time, all converging in front of Dylan White's path, getting in the way of him and the WBC title shot. There was... Obviously, the uh, undisputed fight, which is being mooted between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. Then you've got Usek, the WBO mandatory. You've got Fury, Wilder, two, uh, excuse me, three. So all these things are converging. And, and obviously, with the AJ Fury fight, they're talking about having uh, two fights, right? A two-fight deal. So God knows how far that could push Dylan White's WBC shot back until. So, yeah, I thought several weeks ago, the only way Dylan White's going to be able to get through this and get the title shot in timely fashion is if he takes the legal route, which is apparently what he's doing. But Tyson Fury, of course, can just simply drop the belt or, as his promoter Bob Arum said, the WBC can elevate Tyson Fury to franchise champion and then Dylan White will be regular, basic, however they phrase it with the WBC uh, champion. And that will clear up the situation. But I'm not sure what the criteria is for becoming franchise champion. Remember, Tyson Fury's only just become WBC champion. So if they make him franchise champion right now, it could set a precedent whereby fighters in other divisions, WBC champions in other divisions, who've only just got their belt, they could turn around and say, well, hang on, you made Tyson Fury franchise champion when he hadn't even made one defense yet. So I want to be franchise champion. You know, it puts the WBC potentially at a little bit of a a situation whereby, as I say, it sets a precedent for other fighters to say, I want to be franchise champion because when you become franchise champion, you don't have the same obligations as if you're a regular WBC champion, to my understanding anyway. You guys correct me if I'm wrong, but to my understanding, you don't have to fulfill the mandatory obligations and all that kind of stuff as regularly as you do if you're, you know, a normal WBC champ. To be fair, the WBC are extremely lenient on their champions anyway, most of them, when it comes to defending their belts and, you know, fulfilling mandatory obligations. They're extremely lenient. I mean, we saw that with Deontay Wilder for most of his reign as WBC champion. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, Dylan White is looking to sue the WBC. And I'll talk more about that in a separate video. But 
as far as Tyson dropping the title, it would be disappointing because then there's no undisputed fight. Yes, most people will accept that Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury, if they still fight without the WBC belt on the line, that the winner of that is the consensus champion, but they're not technically the undisputed. So there would still be a, a loose end there to tie up. If Dylan White fights somebody else for the vacant WBC, should Tyson Fury vacate it and Dylan White wins, then it's obviously an easy match to make between AJ and White. But you've got Alexander Usek waiting in the wings for his crack at the WBO. Who's to say, you know, if he goes ahead and uh, beats the winner of AJ Fury, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's not going to be as uh, straightforward as we might hope in terms of getting an undisputed champion. So, yeah, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below about Fury saying he dropped the WBC belt because he's not interested in fighting White. Some people are going to say that's a duck, that he's doing what Riddick Bowe did when he avoided Lennox Lewis. Well, not really, because Riddick Bowe was avoiding his mandatory challenger when there really wasn't any other more worthy challenger out there. Lewis had just knocked out Razor Ruddock, who was the number one ranked in the WBC, and Lewis was ranked, I think, number two. And Ruddock was widely viewed as the uh, most dangerous heavyweight out there after Mike Tyson went to prison. So, you know, ducking a guy like that and throwing your WBC, when you're undisputed champion, throwing your WBC belt in the trash, no, nah, that's a duck. That's terrible. But with Tyson Fury, it's a different situation. He's WBC champion and he's trying to become undisputed or at least he's trying to fight uh, the other person with a claim to be the top dog in the heavyweight division and therefore become consensus champion and leave no doubt in the minds of anybody that he's the best in the world. Because at the moment, yes, the majority, I would say, of the boxing public think Tyson Fury is the best, but there's still a sizable minority who believe it could be Anthony Joshua. So if Fury gets in there with AJ with the WBC belt on the line or not, and he beats AJ, then that's it. He is consensus champion and really undisputed for all intents and purposes. Although not technically undisputed, you know, people would even more so than now believe he's the best and, you know, believe that he's done enough to prove so in the ring. So yeah, let's see what happens here if Fury drops the WBC belt. I know Dylan White will be bitterly disappointed if Fury drops the belt because it's not just about the fact that he doesn't get to fight the actual champion and would rather be fighting for a vacant belt, but it's also the payday because fighting Tyson Fury as a mandatory, he's going to get a lot more money than fighting somebody else, you know, for the WBC strap. Uh, if he fought Deontay Wilder for the WBC vacant, would it be anywhere near the Fury payday? Still probably not, but it wouldn't be bad. Let's see if they can get that fight over the line if the WBC is vacated by Fury. Anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's happening I'm out. Hi there, Danny Flexen, and welcome to the latest edition of Seconds Out Flex Expectations. We're here every Thursday, 4.30pm, to look ahead to what's coming in the world of boxing, of course. Um, and this week, I thought I'd look into what could be the biggest fight that's left in 2020. 
And obviously with the COVID-19 pandemic, things are being shuffled around, moved back. Fighters are wanting to come back with perhaps slightly easier fights than were first planned rather than go from you know relative inactivity and straight into a massive fight. So it's worth looking at what we might see um, in the rest of the year. And I know I did this before, but things have obviously evolved since then. Situations changed. I know in the UK, um, the British Boxing Board of Control have just um, issued some guidance around sparring. That's now going to be allowed, although with some restrictions added to it. Um, you can find those online, I would imagine, but quite a lot of restrictions. And I don't expect many of them to be followed or you know, any realistic way of those rules or guidance being enforced. Um, but that aside, we are seeing boxing back now. Um, there's going to be UK fighters on Al Siesta's Cold War, or Cold Wars rather, show um, in July. Um, and we expect to see Frank Warren back mid-July with some shows from BT Studios um, and Eddie Hearn towards the end of July from Matchroom HQ. In the US, they've already kicked off, obviously, top-ranked shows at the moment every Tuesday and Thursday. There'll be one tonight. Of course, um, featuring Jose Pedraza in the main event um, against Mikel Lepierre. So we'll look forward to that. Um, so as boxing kind of starts to get back, I've seen some criticism already with people saying, well, you know, these top-ranked shows, they're not great. Uh, some of that's dimmed somewhat since Mike Planier won an upset decision over Josh Greer Jr., um, showing that maybe the matchmaking isn't as bad as people are making out. But it's hard to blame fighters for wanting... Slightly easier fights coming from a long layoff, even though everyone's on a level playing field. No one wants to take a career-limiting defeat that could be avoided. So what's going to be the really big fights left in 2020? Well, Canelo is usually in the biggest fights of the year. He takes those May and September dates for the most part. Obviously fought Sergei Kovalev um, later than that last year. Um, and a lot's been talked about his next fight. Will it be Billy Joe Saunders? Will it be a third fight against Triple G, who until recently seemed still keen to accommodate his mandatory middleweight challenger, Kareem Zurameta? Um, Canelo, if he does fight in September, um, I know Golden Boy are looking into options of him fighting behind closed doors. Obviously a huge TV attraction, massive superstar, but the live gate would harm them. He's you know, used to getting a lot of revenue from those live gates. But if he does decide to fight again this year, I imagine it'll only be once. Um, and whether it's behind closed doors or not, surely it'll be a huge fight. Um, perhaps against Billy Joe Saunders. I know a lot of UK fans would like to see that. Um, so that could end up being the biggest fight of the year if it happens. You've obviously got a fight already in the books, the third fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Um, already agreed. Um, they did have a date that's been moved couple of times now um, and the latest I heard from Bob Arum when I interviewed him last week an interview you can see on the channel he said they're looking at the week before Christmas um, in December obviously Christmas hasn't moved um, not yet anyway Christmas in the uh, week before Christmas um, and they were looking at three different um, locations including Australia which seems to be rather an outsider um, could still happen, but the fact that they've already moved it back several times and they're now looking at but haven't confirmed the week before Christmas suggests it wouldn't really take much to move it into 2021. So I'm kind of almost ready to rule that out as the biggest fight remaining this year. Matchroom are still keen to get Anthony Joshua out um, before the end of the year against Kubrat Pulev, mandatory defence, but how feasible that is without a live crowd or even as um, stuff continues to evolve with a reduced size live crowd with social distancing enforced, remains to be seen. I mean, you put Joshua in, uh, I don't know, a uh, 60,000-seat stadium and fill it 
to, I don't know, a fifth capacity, what's that, 12,000? Quick maths there, hope you're impressed, if it's right. Um, yeah, so 12,000 for a Joshua fight, it's not gonna do the money, what are they gonna have to pay to get the venue? Will venues be accommodating in terms of reducing their um, higher fees because of the ongoing problems and, and just attracting events that otherwise might leave the uh, venues dormant? We'll have to wait and see. Obviously, there's a lot of other sports wanting to use venues to um, fulfill their schedules before the end of their seasons as well. So that needs to be taken into account. And even if all that comes to fruition, how big a fight is Joshua Pulev? You know, the vast majority of people, Bob Arum aside, and even he, I'm not sure, takes himself completely seriously about this, believe that Joshua's going to get the job done relatively comfortably. Um, so we can wait and see on that one. So it still looks like Canelo as the front runner. Vasil Lomachenko um, against Teofimo Lopez, certainly amongst the hardcore boxing community. A fight that I'm most looking forward to after lockdown. Um, great fight, two champions unifying, not obviously undisputed because uh, Loma is now WBC franchise champion, so we can't say it's undisputed. But still a really, really intriguing fight. Uh, Lopez said initially he didn't want to fight with no crowd. Bob Aaron came back and said, well, for fighters that say that, it might mean sitting on the bench for the rest of the year. Um, I think things have, may have changed on that score since. But also, I think fans will start being allowed back into venues, perhaps in September. Um, so maybe we can see that fight in the autumn. That's not a fight where they necessarily need 20,000, 30,000 people um, in the venue. So perhaps we can see a big venue with social distancing in place. Um, and that can finally come off. And that could be perhaps the biggest fight in what's left of this year. Perhaps it'll be that. There's also uh, Noira Nui against John Real Casimero, um, another unification contest and one that's very, very intriguing, especially after Casimero destroyed um, Zolani Tete rather unexpectedly last year. Um, and that one already had a date, same with uh, Loma against Lopez, that then had to be moved back. So we wait to see exactly what happens with that. I don't think we'll see any World Boxing Super Series uh, Season 3, easy for me to say, fights this year um, from what Calisowland said it will probably start next year now um, but we do still have the cruiserweight final to come um, between Maris, Breedis and Uniel Dortikos which you would hope will get in before the end of the year but again in terms of crossover appeal probably not the biggest fight left in this year so I don't mean to sound kind of glum and that there's not a lot to look forward to um, and there is especially for the boxing hardcore fans who would make up the majority of this audience I would hope um, but let me know what you think is going to be the biggest fight that can and will be made before the end of 2020. You've heard what I think, but I want to know what you think. Let me know. I'll respond to some of the comments below. There's probably some glaring ones that I haven't even um, mentioned, which you know is always a bit of a journalistic curse and you kind of kick yourself later on. But put the comments. Happy to kick myself. Um, let me know what you think. I'll be back on Monday for Reflections uh, at 4.30pm, of course. And then next Thursday, same time for the next Flexpectations. Always a pleasure and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Cheers.
This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV and Association MTK Global. I'm joined by promoter, manager, matchmaker, boxing connoisseur, Al Siesta. Al, of course, you've had some news uh, regarding Cold Wars. Uh, the first show has been pushed back a week. Just to tell us the information on the date and then the reason and why this has been pushed back, Al. Okay, so first of all, uh, I had a conversation with the... First of all, good morning, brother. Good morning. Yeah? And, and not nice, uh, very kind of you for having me again with such a little kind of short notice and stuff. Thank you. Um, right, let me... I uh, spoke to the British Boxing Board of Control. Uh, they raised concerns in regards to self-isolation upon return of the fighters to the UK. I felt that it was a bit strange because anyone who would go on holiday or would do anything or travel abroad, if the self-isolation still upon return in place, we just have to do it. Simple as that. So, I mean, that's not the reason I felt to concern and prevent someone from traveling somewhere where it's safe to take the fight, work and earn some money. But as I respect British Boxing Board of Control and they all about fighters' safety, and I do understand. And that was just a concern that wasn't like uh, trying to persuade me or trying to forbid. That was an advice from British Boxing Board of Control. So I kind of thought about it and I thought, okay, let's compromise here. Let's just push back a week because I heard that self-isolation in the United Kingdom allegedly will be canceled or lifted from 15th of July, which is a day before my first event now because i was going on the 9th so potentially they're coming back on the 10th and they have to self-isolate so now we're going on the 16th so they're coming back on 17th and they don't have to self-isolate in god's willing so i've done my compromising and i fully understand what british boxing board means so if we've got the situation where we still have to self-isolate then it's bad. So we'll take the self-isolation precautions and people will stay at home for two weeks. And that is the main reason why I had to postpone my show. So because of British Boxing Board of Control's advice to take that precautions. So that was the main reason. Otherwise, I'm buzzing. I've been up from four o'clock in the morning doing the rest of the matchmaking, talking to people, speaking, looking at the flights, the Minsk flights from London actually are available now. You can fly today if you want to, and, um, but you will have to self-isolate in Minsk till 21st of uh, June. From 21st of June next week, their self-isolation in Belarus is, will be lifted. So by the way, I'm saying Belarus because I have now mentioned that it's Minsk, Belarus. This is the only country alongside Sweden who hasn't implemented the lockdown because they straight away implemented social distancing, masks and gloves, and they tackled the pandemic that way. Same as Swedish. So therefore, they kept running with their football league, as you know, in Belarus. And actually, even crowd allowed if there's a self, uh, uh, social distancing in place. So that country is well advanced. They understand what to do. They run boxing, kickboxing and MMA events all throughout the pandemic. So uh, they are very experienced federation. They are also affiliated with EBU, European Boxing Union, which is partnership with British Boxing Board of Control and a family, I call it EBU family, a federation, which means they are fully legal to operate in Europe, if you know what I mean, and licensed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, have you just given us the locations then? Yes, I've given you the locations. It's Minsk, Belarus. And the flights are already flying from London to Belarus, by the way. Yeah. So when you decided to push it back a week because of the, the self-isolation rules in the UK uh, won't be in, in place when, when the fighters come back, what have the British uh, board said um, about sparring and also your, uh, not your fighters, but British fighters going into Europe to fight there? Have they made a comment on this or is it just they can't really say anything on this? Yes, there's been legislation out about sparring. Sparring is officially allowed in the gyms now. And as long as the things like ventilation implemented and people, those watching sparring uh, keep social distancing and so on and so forth. So it's already happening. People are already sparring. sparring I think a couple of days ago, but I actually, actually, I remember in the beginning of June, it was sparring was mentioning when people may come back to their gyms and advice was not to take spa. You see, the situation is when government tells you people may come back to work and people may travel. It means you're not forbid to travel and go to work. What means be careful when you do that. So British Boxing Board, when they called me, that was their advice. Ow, what about this and this and this? They didn't say, no, you can't run that, you can't do that. No, because they can't do that legally. People starved from money financially and from activity, so everyone understands. We're all professionals at the end of the day. We're managers, matchmakers, promoters, fighters. Well, this is our bread. I mean, there are other promoters whose uh, boxing for some is hobby. And there are other big promoters like Matchrooms and uh, Queensbury's who's got massive television contracts and so on and so forth. So they are safe. I am in a unique situation. Boxing is 24-7 for me. This is my full-time occupation. So I need to earn and I, I have forced to think outside the box. And that's why I took shows to Belarus into the safest European destination because I need to earn and I need to create opportunities for others to earn and also, I have to commitments. I've got commitments to fulfill with my television partner. So that's why. So sparring is in place, by the way, now. And people are sparring. And they've got plenty of time for the camp, for spa camp. Plenty. First show is on 16th. One month away. Mm. I mean. When are you going to announce uh, names, Al? I announced most of the names now. Uh, not most of the names. I announced about, I'd say, 30% of the names the announcement's coming very, very shortly. Today, one more fighter is going to break the news from Wales. He, he's got cracking fight against the guy who recently challenged for the world title. So that's, that's, that's wonderful. And I let him to announce it. I let, I let him to announce it. I don't want to spoil his party, you see. And so, man, the fights are really, really good fights. And... Since then, I had some British fighters coming out and saying they would like to take part. And they are cracking fighters. They would crack those Russians. You know, the levels are really high. If now it's 50-50, there are fighters came uh, and asked me if they can participate from United Kingdom who are making Russians their opponents underdogs. Genuinely. So interest was fantastic. Although, on the other hand, there are some UK promoters, managers, who I don't know what is it, trying to spoil the party, try to put some spanner into works of siesta boxing, 
trying to just becoming difficult. They're depriving their fighters from taking opportunities. They're not conveying the messages to their fighters. They're keeping it secret. Then fighter contacted me, DMing me, saying, Mr. Siesta, I heard about your shows. I, I really want to take place. I really want to take part in it. And I'm thinking, I ask your manager, why didn't you send a message? So I would speak to the manager and the manager is saying, no, I'll no, no, I don't think it's a good idea. He's a young lad and stuff like that. You see, they got this old school preconception. Guys, times are changing. Boxing will never be the same again. 50 is all the way. People need to learn their craft as they go. Deep waters from the outset. And that comes from, <coughs> sorry, that comes for everyone in every country. Russia, England, Germany, I mean, United Kingdom, United States. I mean, if you, I mean, you'll find that matchmaking in this country, in United Kingdom, is the safest. Is the safest. There's no anywhere else in competitive fights and television events will you see such safe fights as you see in England. You've got main event, which is kind of 50-50. You've got co-main event, which is 60-40. And then the rest, fighters fighting against inferior fighters. Am I right? That's what you see. I know what you're referring to, yeah. That's, that's what you see. That's what you see on TV. That will stop from today. I'm telling you. The fight, if, listen, if everyone would have been uh, adopting this ethos, we wouldn't have no Manny Pacquiao's, no Bernard Hopkins, no nobody. Nobody. We wouldn't have any big stars in boxing because of this. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Mayweather arguably was very protected, but he still took really tough fights, arguably lost twice. And because he's been protected, all his 10 last fights in Nevada or Las Vegas, people were buying tickets and watching pay-per-view, hoping that he's going to get banged out. That's what it was. He, he, he was a nemesis of boxing fans. They want to see him fail. Do you remember that? Yeah, so cool. everyone used to buy the tickets and watch the fights, hoping that he's going to get banged out. But he was so well protected. Guys, let's don't walk that, walk that path because Mayweather is unique. He's also super, super talented. So he was very talented, could really fight, and he was protected. Same as Rocky Marciano, I believe. But... Protecting mediocre fighters just because they sell lots of tickets and use the short-term gain. And then the fighter, I mean, people will ask you, when are you fighting for the title? When you go, I mean, people aren't stupid. With this lockdown, has been revelation. The consciousness now on the next level, and it comes to boxing as well. Everyone knows what's going on now. And people don't want to see shit fights. People don't want to see mismatches. People want to see competitive fights right from the outset from the debut onwards. Al, before I let you go, have you got, I know I asked you this last time about Luther Clay and uh, Chris Congo. Have we got a date yeah. penciled in now? Look, it's Matchroom's show, isn't it? It's, it's Fight Camp. I've I don't think I've the date, but have you, have, is, there, is there a date set now? 100%, there's two dates and it's just one week apart. And I can tell you more, I mean, I hope Eddie won't, won't get disheartened by me saying that. It's in August. Okay. So, so everything goes according to plan. I mean, Matron will make their announcement in due course when they're ready to do so. But the fight is on. Luther Clay is firing. He's in camp. Chris Congo is well. I mean, fantastic. It's coming. 
it's kind of I can't wait as well and and hopefully he, he I mean when my cold wars finish I can come back and relax and watch Luther Clay fight you know what I mean my my last date of my cold wars is 6th of August so hopefully there's no self isolation in place I'll be back and I'll and I'll be at that fight camp elaborate um uh, location that matchroom is building right now enjoying that fight and seeing my man doing the job hopefully in god's willing you know all right lcs the best of luck with cold wars and uh hopefully see you at matchroom fight camp for uh congo and clay all right my brother bless you and thank you so much see you very soon see Take you care, bye. Bro. Bye.